I'm Jim Juno, and this is Lights, Camera, Author. Considered the world's greatest insult comic, Don Rickles was a legendary comedy giant, honorary Rat Pack member, and equal opportunity offender who defied political correctness, transcended every medium, entertained, influenced, and insulted generations of comedians and fans over his six-decade career. Now in the first ever biography, an in-depth portrait of Don Rickles, entitled Don Rickles, Merchant of Venom, New York Post television editor and celebrity biographer Michael Seth Starr delivers an hilarious, moving, and long-overdue look at the real man behind the sting. And I talked to Michael Seth Starr about his new book. We're talking tonight with Michael Seth Starr, who has a new book coming out called Don Rickles, The Merchant of Venom. And Michael, welcome to Light the Camera Author. Oh, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Now, Don Rickles, this is a this is everybody of a I don't even want to say of a certain age because my son used to love watching Don Rickles. And he passed away in 2017, but he was he was the insult comic of all insult comics. He was. He was. Yeah. And he, um, you know, he I didn't realize that he was born in New York. And um, but basically, tell me, why did you why, what got you interested in Don Rickles? You know, I've always we would you as you were mentioning before, I, I used to love watching Don on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and um I'm of the age where I used to watch the Dean Martin roasts when they first aired. And he was just, there was just nobody else like him. And it was always in, in the days of, you know, they, they used to call it must see TV with Seinfeld. But even before that on NBC, when Don Rickles was on with Johnny Carson on the tonight show, whether as a booked guest or just walking on <laughs> as he was wont to do, see, you know, plopping himself in the couch and ripping whoever was next to him to shreds and Johnny. Um, it was just it was just must see television. And he was so good at what he did and so razor sharp and quick on his feet. I mean, lightning fast with the insults. Um, you know, it's over the years, his Don's act didn't really vary that much. But he he always had a sense of especially when he was live with an audience of um, and he used to say this as soon as he walked on, he sort of got the temperature of the crowd and he knew how far he could go and and he often went very far in, in poking <laughs> in poking fun at people, but that was why people came to see Don Rickles. That's why he was so beloved. You wanted to be insulted by him. That was that was his genius. His comedy genius was the 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 ability to take sort of human foibles about the way a person was dressed or the way their hair was or if they're overweight or you know in, in a time when it was okay to say that he would say you know what is that is that your wife or a moose you know like you know <laughs> it was okay but but people hey, everybody would roar with laughter but that's what they expected that was him and you know you mentioned that, that it was at a time it was a different time because um i don't i don't know well i i guess uh triumph the insult comic dog is the only entity we'll say that even comes close to what rickles used to do I mean, he couldn't get away with it nowadays, could he? No, I, I don't think there's any way. I mean, if let's say if Don was still alive and still maybe maybe he would quote unquote be grandfathered in, but mm -hmm. if he was if he was an up and coming uh, stand up comedian, no way he'd be you know he would be canceled within you know <laughs> five minutes of stepping <laughs> stepping on the stage. But think about Don was even even in that time when we, he might have you know said things that would not be acceptable today. He he knew how far he could go and and. 
you know, he never used the, he didn't, he made fun of every ethnic group, blacks, Jews, Hispanics, the Asian, Mexican, everybody. But he never used any derogatory insult terms for each of those ethnic groups. You know, True. he would, he would, you know, make fun of, you know, is a black guy? Does it, does he have a knife? You know, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> But he never used the N word, and he I, he never would. I guess it just wasn't in his repertoire, and was not part of his act. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, King of the Insult Comics. He was the book is called The Merchant of Venom, but he was also known as uh, Mister Warmth. That was yes. Johnny Car Johnny Carson's favorite term for him. And early in his career, when they didn't know what to make of this guy, they called him the Insultant Sultan, which was like not good. Doesn't roll off the tongue like <laughs> Mr. Horn. And they, they tried a lot of different nicknames because nobody had ever seen this before. I mean, there was another uh, comedian named Jack Leonard, Fat Jack mm -hmm. Leonard, who was also known for his insult humor, but he never quite made it. He, he never made it. He never went to the heights. He never soared to the heights that, as did Don Rickles. Although Fat Jack, made he made a lot of TV appearances. He did the Ed Sullivan show. Um, and he was a very funny man. But his his type of humor was a little more I don't want to say intellectual, but it was it was different it than was, Don's. It was a totally different delivery, also. It was. It you was. Know? And whereas now, Don Rickles, yeah, Don Rickles was like bump, 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 bump. And uh Jackie Leonard, as I recall, it was a little bit more, it was I more was measured. Saying, yeah, more measured. That's a good term yeah. for it. Yeah. I mean, it took a little bit longer to explain the joke with him. You know, so <laughs> yeah, and I, I talk about him in the book because when when Don was coming up in the first in that first part of his ascendance, there were comparisons made to Fat Jack Leonard, and and Don was asked about it, and he said, no, no, you know, we have totally different acts, and Jack Jackie Leonard complained about it a lot. Um, there's a quote in there. I, I had the chance to interview Shecky Green for this book. Um, who basically did about a half hour of shtick. <laughs> but when he did get serious, I mean, he used to say that he'd have a, you know, he'd be eating breakfast with Fat Jack Leonard in Vegas. And, you know, he all he was complaining about was how Rickles was stealing his act. But it might have been sour grapes. I mean, uh, yeah. Jack Jack was a little older than Don. He was about eight or nine years older. Different mindset. I believe Jack Leonard came up in, in the world of vaudeville. Don didn't. So their their styles were were very different. Yeah, and and you know what? I didn't realize that that he. I knew that he had uh, been an actor. Don Rickles had been an actor because I saw him on several TV shows uh, before he became an well known as an insult com uh, comic. Um, <clears throat> but I I didn't know that he studied to be an actor. He wanted to be an actor first before doing his, stand up. His, yes, his his real goal early in his in his show business career was to be considered a working, a what they call in England, a jobbing, working, dramatic actor. He, um, when he got out of, he was served in the Navy for, for two years during World War II. And when he, when he got out of the service, he enrolled in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts uh, here in New York City. Um, he had several people who'd become famous later, were classmates of his, Grace Kelly mm -hmm. and Conrad Bain, who was famous for Maud and Different Strokes, and Don Murray, who was an bus stop with Marilyn Monroe, that Jason Robards Jr. were all Don's classmates, but, and he did well there and he, he graduated and knocked on a lot of doors. Broadway at that time in, in New York City was, was thriving television, not yet so much. You know, this was 1946, 48, that, that, that time, but he couldn't get a job. I mean, nobody would hire him. He auditioned and 
he maybe he just didn't have what it took. And so he started doing this really strange act. It really, it wasn't, it didn't start out as an insult act. He would do impersonations mm-hmm. and he would do like a, a thing he called the man with the glass head where he would put like a glass head, <laughs> a glass bowl over his head. And it was actually, it was actually lifted from a Peter Lorre uh, a movie, I believe, where people can, you know, he would act out thoughts in his head. It was bizarre. That didn't go anywhere. And he found himself. Why? A, yeah, right. right. And he found himself at a strip club in down in Washington, D.C. He was making the circuit and heckled by the patrons there. A lot of them who were who were guys as Don had been in, in you know, in the service or in the Navy because it was by the shipyards. And he found himself heckling them back and he found that they liked it and that he had a he had a talent for it. And, you know, nobody was going to come up and punch him in the nose. So <laughs> that kicked off that stage of his career. And that's really the Don Rickles that we all know today was was that insult comic. Let me ask you this. When he was uh, when he was acting, I mean, I saw him like in Kelly's Heroes um, and I also saw him like on in in episodic TV shows like like uh, Gomer Pyle and um, in the Twilight Zone of all places. Uh, the Mr. Dingle uh, episode. Yeah, Mr. Dingle Twilight. the Strong. Yes. yes, I know. yes. With Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Right. And and um, he had a he had a and he also had his own TV show uh, or several TV shows. Um, he could he could uh, probably uh, fill a museum with failed TV shows that he was in. Yeah, he 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 really, as you mentioned, um, he was uh, Jim. He was ubiquitous on on sitcoms in the '60s. I mean, while he was building his reputation in Vegas um, and touring the country, he always had he he was always welcome for short visits to. Uh, there was a the Dick Van Dyke show. He did a two part episode, and his IMDb page, if you look at it, uh, Get Smart two part episode mm-hmm. with his, his good friend Don Adams. Um, the Adams Family, Gilligan's Island, Beverly Hillbillies, all those shows, um, F Troop, he was, he was on all these shows. Um, but he never could hold his own. One of his um, uh, goals at that point was to, to, yes, to star in his own sitcom. But Don had such a, he was such a hard person to write for his persona to fit within the framework of a 22 minute sitcom interrupted by commercials and everything it just it was it was bound to fail and it did i mean several times he had a very short-lived uh, in 1968 his first attempt it was on abc um variety from, show right yes I mean. it was from it was from goodson todman they wanted to do a, a variety game show with don i don't know what they were thinking <laughs> it, I, I think don realized that too and you know went on the air it bombed it, it i don't even think it, it didn't even last half a season and about four years later, he came back, this time to CBS. The shows were the same. It was called The Don Rickles Show mm-hmm. and ABC. Then he came back with a sitcom, The Don Rickles Show, playing like the suburban dad with the beautiful wife. And the, the, his daughter was played by Erin Moran, who would later go on to star in Happy Days. Um, didn't work. People were not buying him as the suburban dad type. And he couldn't be he couldn't be himself. You know, when Don was on stage, he was like a... It was like a caged animal, you know, prowling around and sweating and with the microphone and you and you pointing with the sarcastic. You couldn't, you can't do that on a sitcom. First of all, America wouldn't accept that in that form. So, yeah, he really, and then it wasn't really until the mid 70s when 
Uh, he tried his hand again, this time on NBC. CPO Sharky. CPO Sharky, which mm-hmm. was moderately successful. Why? Because Don played Otto Sharky, who was a chief petty officer in the Navy. Don was in the Navy. It was sort of, that's as close, I think, as television, the sitcom world ever got to writing a character that Don could really know and embrace. And um, and the writing on that was, was it was a clever show. It was from Aaron Rubin, who created uh, the Andy Griffith show and, and Sanford and Son and a lot of other hit shows. So the pedigree was good. And it, it did, it lasted two seasons, which for Don was like 10 years. You know? <laughs> he got his, he got his second season, but it, as, as all these shows, as many of these shows do, it, it petered out. They, it, it had its run. And um, he did try again later on in the nineties with, in the early nineties with Richard Lewis called, it was a sitcom on Fox called daddy dearest. Oh my God! I had a yeah. chance to, I, I, yeah, I had a chance to interview Richard Lewis for the book. He was great. Gave me a lot of time. Loved Don, but I, I think one of Richard's thoughts on that was that the network, Fox was a young network then. They didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with these, but these two comics with outsized personalities. Not so much egos, just personalities. You know, Lewis had his neurotic act. Don had his insulting act. Don played his. His, his older father, obviously his father on the show. And again, it, it just, it, it just, they, they never gelled. And um, it was, it was gone See, fairly soon. I remember even seeing him on an episode of wild, wild west. Of all yes. places. I mean, he yeah. played a play like a, what was it, a devil worshiper or something like yes, that? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah. And, and uh, he, he was on the Hollywood squares a lot. He did yeah. daytime. He, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I can't always forget to mention this. He was on actually an episode of the um, the dating game in the middle. It was kind of like a <laughs> shtick thing. Yeah, you can you can actually watch it on YouTube. That you know he he helped he helped the young woman pick. There were you know the three guys behind the wall, bachelor number one, number two. And she would ask some questions, and Don would you know rank them. Yeah, you know what are you saying that for? You know, that kind of thing, and he would decide for her which guy she would go down the date with. You know it was a. It, it was just a chance to get on the daytime TV, and it was it was a fun idea actually. But yeah, he did shows you wouldn't even the Pat Boone show, and um, uh, was he on Bewitched too at some point? Uh, I I don't think he was on. I'd have to huh? double check that. I don't think so, but you might be right. I I don't know the answer to that. He did so yeah, many of he these. He did and, so many of these things. I'd have to check on that too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. You know, the interesting thing I found when I when I was first starting to research this book, and I was going back and in Don's career in the 50s, I kept on seeing these TV shows that would say Don Rickles as announcer. Don Rickles as an, it was always, yeah. and I and I started writing and I said, oh, you know, Don got his first start as an announcer on blah, blah. Well, later on, I came to realize that there was an NBC staff announcer named Donald Rickles. Oh my God. Same name. <laughs> but, so they would say, you know, well, sometimes call him Don. And thank God I found that out because I would, it would have been a Huge mistake. Yeah, there was a. He was a little older than Don, but he was on. He would introduce, you know, all, all the NBC shows, and his name was Don Rickles. So, um, I thought it was very strange that Don never spoke about these early roles because it wasn't him. No. <laughs> he didn't do them. And it, and it's great because I mean that way you, I mean now his wife is his wife still alive? No, no um, his wife, Don's she Don's wife Barbara passed away in 2021 on their 56th wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah, it was it's it's bittersweet. I mean, it was, it was touching. Um, yeah, she survived him by about four years. Um, they had a terrific marriage. 
he met her when he was he was almost turning 40. He was about 38, 39 when he mm-hmm. met Barbara at his agent in Hollywood, Jack uh, Gallardi. Uh, Barbara was a secretary there and Don pursued her relentlessly. She didn't want to go out with him. She didn't take she she took no <laughs> guff from him. And he said that's kind of like what made him keep on going. You know, she wouldn't crack a smile when he joked. Finally, she went out with him and the rest is history. They 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 married soon thereafter. They had two children. They had a very happy marriage for for 50 years. He even joked about her in his act. He did. You know, the, the standard line was, you know, my wife is, you know, hold, rattling her jewelry to signal the ships. You know, my Jewish wife is at home rattling her jewelry. He did. And, you know, she had a really good sense of humor. But I, the thing, and, and Don would always, after his pretty, it didn't, it didn't really matter if it was his live stage show in Vegas, if Barbara was there or on the road somewhere or doing a TV, a TV, if she was in the studio, the first person he would turn to was her and say, how'd I do? How'd I do? Because, you know, p- people who are this talented, sometimes they're also very insecure. You know, he always got the laughs. It wasn't a, you know, but maybe deep down, he, you know, it came so easily to him. It's like, you know, God, why is this so easy? People are laughing. But yeah, he was, he always asked her opinion, TV scripts, movie roles, whatever he was going to do next. She was a big part of it. There were, uh, you mentioned Johnny Carson earlier, and I got to talk about a couple of, a couple of events on Johnny Carson. Now you're probably going to know which ones I'm going to talk about. Uh, one was the uh, Japanese massage. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now we'll set the stage here. Johnny Carson was getting a massage by two Japanese girls. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you can watch that one on youtube also i think it's in all those carson collections it was it, it, it ended up being a very uh water wet filled skit with people <laughs> jumping in the water and and uh that was a classic and, and they used to show that when johnny did his anniversary shows they showed that and i think the other one you're going to mention was the um cigarette box bob, cigarette box mm-hmm. don's best friend in show business was bob newhart Don was on the Tonight Show one night. Bob Newell was guest hosting. And Don was making a point about something, coming back from Mexico with going through immigration. And he took the cigarette box like he was stamping his passport. Mm-hmm. And the cigarette box broke. And you know, everybody was like, oh, and you know, Newhart <laughs> said something. Like, oh, Johnny's going to be upset about this. So Johnny was back the next night. This was all set up by Johnny and the people. Don didn't know beforehand. So Johnny comes on. You know, he's like, you know, who broke my... Who broke was this, my who broke my... Was this Frickles? Don was across the hall, literally like 30 feet away, taping CPO Sharky at NBC across the hall from the Tonight Show. So Johnny gets up with a with a um, a microphone, you know, with the long cord, yes. walks across the hall, opens the door, just butts in. Don is taping a scene for the studio. He's dressed in auto Sharky. And it was one of the only times that Don Rickles was speechless. He was like <laughs> looking at he was looking at Johnny. He's like, what? And Johnny's like, did you break the cigarette case? And they had a great laugh about it. And finally, Don got into the swing of things. But he he was speechless. He he really didn't know that on his end that that was going to happen. Yeah, I remember and, him going, I, 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 I. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to have like Ralph Cramden. But um, he was um, he and Johnny were they weren't personal friends, but they were like what you'd call good showbiz friends. And Johnny loved that, loved him as a guest. And then when Johnny retired, Don would appear on a Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Yeah. And then, you know, and then uh, he and he on the new generation of, of talk show hosts and Letterman and Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers, they all loved them. 
And up until the end of his life, he was still going on late night TV and oh, putting I on mean, a good show. Yeah, I mean, I, when he was eighty, I saw him when he was eighty-five years old on on the. Uh, I think it was the uh, Jay Leno or or was it, it the could Tonight have been, Show? Yeah. It yeah. was a Tonight Show. I don't know if it was Jay Leno's time or if it was um, uh, Conan O'Brien's time, but I do know that it, he was eighty-five at the time, and he, he was just as sharp as anything. Yeah, you know, even even at the end of towards the end of Don's life, he he was battling um, what they call necrotizing fasciitis in his leg. It was sort of like mm-hmm. a flesh eating, you know, it was with his muscles. So he had multiple operations. He had to stay off his feet for a while. And towards the end of his career, like he he could he couldn't walk that well. So they would, if he was doing a live event, he he toured with with Sinatra before that, but towards the end with Regis Philbin, who was another friend of his. So they would bring Don up on the stage and sit him down before the crowd got there. Um, and then we just would walk in, but as you know, so you'd think, Oh, you know, his energy is sapped. As soon as that light went on, they turn the lights up. It was like, you know, what, what's that old joke about showbiz? You know, he'd do five minutes when the, when the refrigerator light goes on. That's what Don <laughs> was. It was like flicking a switch and he would just go right into the act. Um, he was a little more mellow by the, by, you know, the time of the Regis thing, but it was more of a, question and answer session with the studio audience, uh, the audience in, in whatever auditorium they were. You know, tell us about, you know, working with Clark Gable and Run Silent, Run Deep, or what was Carson, you know, that kind of thing. And he would just, Regis would ask him questions and, and they would they would have a nice banter back and forth. Um, but even when Don, he performed at the Just for Laughs uh, comedy festival in Montreal twice, once in the early to mid nineties, and then once again, I want to say 13 or 14 years later when he was a lot older and he was having the trouble walking, but they did. They, 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 they sort of brought him up on stage with like dancing girls in front of him. So people couldn't see mm-hmm. that he was having trouble. And he, and at that time he was still doing his act and he just, you know, he sat down and he did, he did his act and people loved it. They, he was really popular in Canada, probably because of the, you know, your hockey puck. Yeah. They actually gave him you know, people have asked me where that where that yeah. comes from. And I don't I don't even think Don knew because they asked him. He would just say he just popped into my head one night and I thought it sounded funny. You know, he would say to people, okay, he would call him out, you know, get, you know, get out of here, you hockey pucker. <laughs> He'd say, you know, to Carson, give Johnny a cookie and I'll go away. That was another favorite. You know, give who fill in the blank a cookie and I'll go away. <laughs> but with in Don's like it, it almost makes no sense, but in Don's delivery and his facial expressions and the way he would phrase it, it was it was hysterical. I remember him being on the Dean Martin show, a uh, Dean Martin roast, and like you said, he he was he would just boom 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 and and make and and make comments about everybody's heritage, Jewish, Black, Puerto Ricans, or anybody, you know. And but like you said, never used foul language, never used um, derogatory terms, uh, but they were just as funny and. Um, I was just wondering, do you know if he had a favorite in his career? Uh, you mean a favorite place Pier- to go? Or appearance. Appearance, appearance uh-huh. Um, or or on would, a show to it that he appears on. I, I would have to go with The Tonight Show. I mean, because that, that was classic Rickles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, again, he had the chance to go on with Newhart as a guest host and as a fellow guest. And it didn't really matter. Like, if you watch some of these clips, not everybody was – I've watched a lot of these and there's one time when Don showed up, uh, he was a guest and Michael Landon was sitting next to him and John, you know, Don turned to him and started 
ripping them, but whatever, little house on the prairie. Mm-hmm. Michael Landon did not look very amused. <laughs> he kind of sort of, you know, nodded his head. So not, you know, but but it's almost like Don didn't care. It was it was it was to me watching Don on the Tonight Show was akin to uh, Robin Williams in his prime when he'd go oh, on with Johnny Clark. Manic. Right, yeah. I mean. Robin Williams was a little more manic and a little more um, esoteric and in that's in that sense. But Don just he just he wouldn't stop. He was just going and going and going. And there's actually a story in the book, as a matter of fact, when he um, he and Frank Sinatra presented an award. I think it was at the, the Academy Awards might have been 1972. And you know, they had cue cards with the stupid scripted banter. And Don Don just he read it and then he just kept on going and they presented the award. It was Mel Brooks won an award, um, and he and he got up and he said, you know, he was kind of pissed. He's like, you know, Don Rickles ate into my airtime. <laughs> Don, he just he couldn't help himself, you know. But uh, and and people people who worked on the sitcoms with him, even the ones that failed, say the best parts were the ones is what you didn't see. The outtakes, the ad of Don going off script, the ad libs, ripping people, um, and he was such a nice man. Like Peter Isaacson, who played Pruitt on um, CPO Sharky, the tall gang, Don called him the moose. Yes. <laughs> um, told me how the first time he met Don, of course, he insulted him because of his height and he loved it. But uh, Don also met Peter's father who later on, you know, and they always had it when, when Peter's father came to the studio, they would have, a, Don would always invite him into the dressing room to have a drink together. And um, his father later on was diagnosed with cancer and mm. Don knew that. And he just treated him like royalty still, you know, come back, let's have a drink. You know, he, he'd say nice things about it, about Isaac, about Peter Isaacson, about his son. And um, I remember Peter, it's in the book. I think Peter told me a story about he was on a tonight show without Don, just as a, the first year of CPO Sharky. And he said, Peter told me, he said, I just bombed. I just sat there. I didn't know what to say. Johnny was asking me questions. I was like, I was sort of like um, in awe, you know, of Johnny. Mm-hmm. And and he was telling Don about that one time. And Don's like, you know, during the, when they went back to tape the show, Don's like, don't worry. I'm guest hosting, you know, whatever it was two months from now. We're going to have you, I'm going to have you back on and I'm going to make sure that you do fine. You, you don't want to, you don't want to be remembered for going, making one appearance on a Tonight Show and just sitting there like a, like a stick in the mud. <laughs> and he did. They invited him back when Don was the host and, he had a great time and he, you know, his personality was able to come through. So yeah, he was just, he was a very nice man. See, that's, Contrary that's to what amazing. People think. Yeah. That's amazing that, you know, as, as caustic as he was on stage, I've heard that said before that he was that nice off of stage. Yeah. You know, listen, some people you hear, I, the last book I did was, I did a biography of William Shatner. You hear a lot of negative stories about him, Yeah, but a lot of them are true. You know, and you you don't hear that. You don't hear. I didn't hear that many negative stories about Rickles because for the most part, he was a nice guy and people liked him and they liked his management. His first manager was a guy named Joe Scandori who was with him for years. People liked Joe. They liked Don. They were they were sort of easy, too easy people to work with. Don was always open to he was very accessible, especially to people like me, reporters at newspapers. I can't tell you how many interviews I read with him. It didn't matter what, where you were from, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Illinois, California, New York, Jersey. He would get on the phone, rip you another one as soon as you got it, because that's what he, that's what, that's what you wanted. Right. He never, 
And then he would settle in and he would promote whatever he was into. But he was very funny. And I interviewed him for the for the New York Post. And he wasn't he really was a nice guy. He he knew he was doing shtick and he knew that that's what you expected in order to write like a good story. Yeah. Like, you know, Don got on the phone and, you know, called me a bum or whatever it was. <laughs> so so he he knew he knew what his job was. Um, I had the chance to speak to him about a year and a half before he passed away. Time Life Video had put out a whole collection of Don Rickles works, including CPO Sharky. And he was not really feeling that well at the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, he wasn't the same. I mean, he didn't get on the phone and he was very, he was ill. I mean, he was, he wasn't feeling well. He's very, he was very low key. Um, he basically told me that he, he thought, he always thought he was too mean for TV and that's why it never worked out. But you know, he's saying, oh, my leg, you know, I can't, this is, it's really hindering me. I can't get around. The leg's killing me. But even then, even up until the very end, he did a he did a web series, his last project before he passed away, called Dinner with Don. It was done by AARP, you know, the, the retirement mm -hmm. people. Um, and this, what they did was they took Don to they they it was Don would go to like one of I think it was three or four different restaurants in LA. They'd, they'd rent out the restaurant for an afternoon. Don would come in. They'd bring in a celebrity whoever it may be, Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman. Uh, they, they, they were lining up. Everybody wanted to be on the show. And they would yeah. basically have a meal. They'd reminisce and they would joke around. And the producer of that show told me at that point, Don, was, um, he was he was weak. You know, he came in in a wheelchair and he was wearing a baseball hat. And he's one. He said at one time, he, the first time he didn't even recognize him. But as soon as they put him on the table, the lights went on, he was on. You know, it was wow. like, boom, even at that point. I mean, he wasn't quite as vivacious as he was because he was he was ill at, at that point. But he I think I guess my point is he wanted to work. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he felt like he had to work because if he didn't work, it was just like it was his lifeblood. He, he didn't know what he would do if he wasn't uh, performing in front of people and, and making them laugh. A lot of a lot of entertainers are like that. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, the author is Michael Seth Starr, and the book is Don Rickles, Merchant of Venom. I really appreciate you doing this tonight, uh, Michael. No, thanks, Jim. It was a lot of fun. And it's always I always love talking about Don, so thank you. Don Rickles, Merchant of Venom, is written by Michael Seth Starr and published by Citadel. Until next time, I'm Jim Juno, and this has been Lights, Camera, Author.